Welcome to Strong Points, Weak Points, where we have malls all over the world. Malls all over the world. And uh, my name is Aaron. Here I am. There Sam is. And there you are. <laughs> We're just recording our podcast, looking at our notes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are the Hollow Men. oh man um hey guys welcome back we are here to talk about the 1983 daniel amos chronicles oh um, i read 83 and i was looking at danielamos.com that's what they have written down Ooh, i'm looking at the the vinyl cover the back of the vinyl says 82 somebody needs an edit oh okay well 1982 Daniel Amos, <laughs> Alarma Chronicles, Volume 2, Doppelganger. Yeah, which is German for the double here. No, it's just a double. I just had to hear. <laughs> I mean, it does have that really cool A with uh, what's those what's those two little dots called? Umlauts. Umlauts. I just, they look so cool. You just put them on anything and they look cool. And umlaut sounds so aggressive. Umlaut sounds like, like a death move or something. Like he put him in the umlaut. Oh dang! I hope he survived. Like, nah, he didn't. <laughs> I I think this album may secretly be a metal album disguised as new wave. It's it's this 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 <laughs> album is Kraftwerk doing a, a new wave album. That's what this is. <laughs> so this is a Daniel Amos's fourth out. No. Fifth album, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, the second in their Alarm of Chronicles. Which, by the way, guys, um, if you want to read the story of the Alarm of Chronicles, it is on DanielAmos.com. So I highly recommend you check out that website, anyways, because there's so much stuff there. So much, including the story to the to the Alarm of Chronicles. Um, which is for this terrifying. album, yeah, which is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Um, As in Terry Taylor fine. No, I'm just playing. No, seriously, it's horrific. It's really horrific. <laughs> so for this album, we have um, a mostly returning lineup. Terry, of course, on guitars and vocals. Jerry Chamberlain on lead guitars. This was his last album with the band um, until he returned later in the 90s. Um, Ed McTaggart returning on the drums, and then we have Tim Chandler joining on the bass. And I think Tim would stay with the band for most of forever after this. Didn't yeah, he? forever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and the album was produced by Terry, Jerry, and Tom Roy, who I couldn't really find any credits on him, quite honestly. Um, but you know, um, I think he does a really good job helping the guys with production and of I this believe- album. And I believe that this is the first Terry Taylor, Derry Daughtery of Choir Fame's first collab because he was the second mixer on this album. Who was? Derry Daughtery. Daughtery. Okay, okay. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Aaron, let's go ahead and hop in like we always do with our memories of this album. Um, Okay. So, I mean, we've already talked about, you know, I I started with Horrendous Disc. You started with Mr. Beekner's Dream. Um, So we know all that. Mm. This album in particular. So the Alarm of Chronicles intrigued me. Like, I was like, that's so cool to have like a four part story. For one, it's cool that it's four parts because everyone's always trilogy, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, So four parts stands out. Um, And this is also um, 
just a very unique album cover, which we'll get to in a second. But the album itself never stood out to me. I was always more drawn towards um, Fearful Symmetry. I think that one just, uh, I don't know, it, it out of the four, it really um, intrigued me the most. This one always kind of got lost in the shuffle. With that said, my I have feelings about it now. <laughs> after spending some time with it. Um, but that's my very limited history with this album. Okay, Aaron, how about so, you? Okay, so, okay, so it's fuzzy. I'm older now. So I, again, Mr. Beatner's Dream. So then I went back and I'm pretty sure I did Like I said before, I didn't get the first two albums for first three albums. I'm pretty sure I started the Llama Chronicles. And I think the main reason, and I think I could believe I, I believe I started with the box set because in the box set, I don't even know. <laughs> I remember, but it was around like 2001 or two. It was like around 2002. I got Doppelganger in some form. I don't know if it was, it, was, it definitely wasn't a record, but I do have the record now. But anyway, so I've been listening to it since 2002. Um, and I'm kind of like with you. It's weird because like when I think about Doppelganger, I'm like, oh yeah, I really love that album. And like it's very you know you know innovative and everything, but I don't listen to it a lot. Um, and them doing a the review, which I'll get into, is weird. Like as a concept, as a one, it's way better than some of its part. Like the individual songs, like if you take out individual songs, um, there's way better than the songs. But together, it's a great concept and works so much better together. But yeah, of the Alarma Chronicles, I think I'm with you. Like, I think Alarma and Vox Humana are the ones I listen to the most and I really get into. Um, and Doppelganger doesn't get played a lot as much as it should. And I don't know why, but I really love it. And we'll see. I mean, it's a great album, but yeah, that's my history with it. Fair enough. And I have some theories on why it maybe doesn't stand out as much. And we'll get into those um, near the end of this long beautiful mess we're getting our injury gone but you were talking about themes so um go listen to our interview with tom gelato uh, gelata the um the fifth beetle of daniel amos we talk a lot about the themes of this album yes. i feel like that album artwork and all its creepy glory <laughs> summarizes this album so perfectly and it's so creepy so you have this this mannequin standing there looking at you dead in his eyes and there's shades behind him and it's all this weird dark blue. Um, and you know what's kind of cool? I don't know if they did this on purpose, but I really love stuff that kind of um, reflects something. And so the first album, Alarma, is the band on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third album, Vox Humana, is once again the band on the cover. And then the second album is like a kind of abstract shape of a guy, of a human on the cover. And what is Fearful Symmetry? Yeah. A kind of more abstract shape of a human on the cover and all in the dark blues, too. So I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I find it kind of cool. I do, too. And I think that the creepiest part is when you flip the vinyl over on the back, you have a mannequin taking a mask off of him with the mannequin in the window, looking at the mannequin with the mask off with shadows of the mannequin holding the mask. And it's like a weird thing. 
and it just like gives me like unsolved mystery like chills it was like i can't believe this was a christian album i love it that this in 82 too what <laughs> this it. feels like it needs to be a twilight zone episode or unsolved mysteries <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, either way um, yeah there's so much here so I there think is. the only way we're going to unpack this is just start diving in song by song, all 15 of them. Well, 15, 14 and a half, a third, an eighth. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm saying 15, man. And okay. the, like you said, these songs work together better as a package. Mm-hmm. So I always say I love my albums like I like a movie, right? Like there are some movies um, – that you just go and watch the scenes you don't really pay attention to the story because the scenes are better right Mm. Um, like you know no one watches a high octane action movie because they find the character so intriguing they like seeing stuff blow up Mm -hmm. but then there are those movies that you got to watch from beginning to end and you don't want to miss one moment of it and that's the best albums for me is Mm -hmm. you you are forced to sit there and pay attention to it from beginning to end. And that is this album. Agreed. So let's kick off with the title track, not title track, but it feels like a title track. Hollow Pretty Man. Um, okay, Aaron, I'll let you kick this off. Cause maybe you can remember what song is playing backwards on this, but kick this off for me. I can go to the heart. <laughs> okay. I knew the we talked song. about before, but yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah. It's the you, last song. So, what do you think the significance of choosing that song to play backwards is? Well, and, and like you were saying about the album covers, I think that was intentional. There's a lot of intentional stuff and stuff in the lyric sheet and everything that we'll get into. So I think what you mentioned, I'm pretty sure that wasn't by coincidence. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Ghost of the Heart and Hollow Man and Terry's Mind were, were written or conceived together because the Ghost of Heart is the Holy Spirit that, you know, sheds the light on what's wrong with you and conviction. The hollow man is, which we'll get into over and over again, um, as people without God, we're hollow, we're shells, we're nothing. And so until the spirit comes in us, we're nothing. And so I think those those two things go hand in hand. So that's probably why those songs were connected. And I love how the last song, the last one connects so perfectly with the first song. Um, so yeah that's the connection there and this song is a weird opener to an album it's backwards vocals there's no drums there's barely good there's no bass there's just a little guitar manipulated voices sound effects and and it's a weird poem um like we mentioned earlier in the previous episode it's based off of a t.s Eliot poem the hollow man and um terry's just reciting lyrics from it and um, this is why I love Daniel Amos. They're, I mean, they're just not afraid to experiment. This is a bananas opener to an album. and But, I mean, it has to be the opener to this album. Like you said, Sam, from beginning to the end, you have to listen to it. And this is the per- this, this is like the credits coming on. Getting you ready. Okay, these are the themes. It's going to be a weird, creepy, eerie ride. You're going to feel uncomfortable, but it's going to be fine. And that's what this song is to me. Um, I love that my favorite part is the, the 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 fading ghostly background vocals. When it goes, ah, ah, vocals come in, they're backwards, they fade in and out. And 
Um, it just it's just like a left field opener, and I love how eerie it's like. You, the, if the album wasn't enough to creep you out, this first song, so you you have no idea what's gonna happen. Um, and then just a little the, the little guitar strumming is perfect because you need a little little rhythm to get you through this crazy weird stew that they're um, cooking up. Um, and yeah, and, the, and lyrically, this song to me talks about like the hollowness of life, and Jesus will come rescue us from it. Um, Terry sings at the end. Um, how, how's it go? Um, let's see. Um, and for one moment, the eyes reappear as the eternal Son, capital Son, Jesus, moving broken stone in this land, this land of death shadow, the dying wish of an empty man, the hollow man. And so they're setting up how the only rescue from this hell that we find ourselves in being hollow man in this, this, we're hollow man because we've embraced a, 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 a gospel, a consumerism, a materialism that has eaten us to the core. And the only, um, the only solution is turn, returning to the true faith of humility, um, love for one another that Jesus um, preached. And so this, out, this opening song is foreshadowing what's happening and giving a solution. Um, three stars, my fifth favorite song on this album. What do you think, Sam? So um, one thing I do love is you keep talking about how, you know, we're hollow without God in our lives. Um, one of the things I really love about this, though, is they don't ever spell it out in this album. Um, they present all the evidence and then leave you to think about it. And don't get me wrong, they get Because they're creating art. It's art. Yes. They never say God. They never say Jesus. They never say, you're right. And I, I do art. love that. Um, taking the J.R.R. Tolkien's approach, right? He thought that art should stand on its own, and if God was to be found in it, it's just because that's who you were. Um, I think that's a really cool idea. So, um, I do, this song is just the perfect opener. I wouldn't want any other song to open it, honestly. Um, and now that you say it, I can totally hear it. I can visualize it in my head, this song playing over the opening credits of like a psychological thriller or something. Um, it would be so perfect. Um, and I also love them playing it backwards because this had to be the height of the church youth pastor scare of the evils of rock and roll and, you know, oh, they're putting devil messages by playing backwards. Some youth pastor had a I never attack. thought of that. I, can't believe, I never thought about that. You're right. <laughs> Can't you just see some youth pastors or some old ladies in the church hearing this? Oh, that's devil music there. It's playing backwards. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Man, they gave someone a heart attack. It's beautiful. Um, and it's just perfect for that creepy, chilling effect the song's going for. Um, the thesis statement of the whole entire album. This, Like I said before in our interview, this gave some kid a nightmare. And you know what? We're if we're only living as a pale imitation of what we could and what we should be in this life, it should give us nightmares. That's kind of the point. You should be afraid of what you are without Christ. Um, there's a, a book I like by Frank Peretti where the central thesis of the book is you know, without God in our lives, without some sort of greater truth in our lives. We just resort to being monsters, essentially. And I know that's not necessarily how everyone sees it, and I'm okay with that. But I like the idea of if we don't, if we have nothing but ourselves to rely on, 
it should make us afraid. So, yeah, that's my feelings on this opening track. All right, what do you think about the next track? Mall All, all right. Over the World. This is probably the most straightforward pop song on this album, which is saying something because it's not a pop song at all. <laughs> um, so first thing you'll notice is that funky bass, and then um, it's it, then it leads into that guitar that sounds like Chamberlain, and um, this just nice drum beat just going, and then this creepy synth starts pulling it all together. And I love that it sounds like they just turned the delay up on this. And what's really cool about a delay, and I'll mention this later, is when you have a guitar pedal that's a delay, all you're hearing is the echo of the original sound. It's, if you will, a hollow note. Because it's not the actual sound. Uh, The hollow note! Right? Um... And there's a lot of delay throughout this album, and I think it's used artistically <laughs> several times. Um, but yeah, this is letting us know right off the bat. This is a truly different Daniel Amos. Strap in, folks. If the last song didn't clue you in, okay, here's our pop song. We're still going to be weird and different. It's going to be beautiful. Um, the lyrics are definitely my favorite bit of this. Um, I applaud a song that points out how we all but worship consumerism because I have a theory. I haven't quite seen it um, written anywhere, but I believe CCM was just a branch of country music. I think some country music record producers and businessmen said, hey, all them Christian folk who listen to our music anyways, because country is still very popular with Christian, the Christian market. Um, I bet you they would listen to, you know, their, their Jesus music too. So let's go ahead and put some record labels and some, put some structure behind this, some business behind this, which in itself isn't bad, but it just turned into kind of this monster and DA would have been seeing it happening right in front of their eyes where it just became all about the consumer, the consuming of rather than the thinking about and the taking the art as it was. Um, and if artists, you know, couldn't produce, 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 then they were just kicked off the record labels and forgotten by them. And yeah. Um, so I think this song just is perfect representation of how we worship consumerism sometimes and call it good. Um, some would even argue how we worship capitalism, if you will. Um, and the song is also kind of ironic because malls are dying. So I find that kind of fun, too. Aaron, what do you got? Well, finally, we got some drums, Sam. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the first sound. And I will say this a lot, that um, the drums and percussion on this album are probably the of all the Daniels albums the best drumming and percussion on any album. So get used to hear this a lot. Um, but yeah, at the 32nd mark, we get that guitar solo from Jerry. I'm assuming it is pretty fire. I love it. And in the background, there's drums. I was but it sounds like a bongo too. It's like an extra something there that gives it a thickness. And I really love it. This song's a groove. Um, if you don't dance to this when it comes on, you can't be friends with me. This song I agree with you. It is a it is a pop song, a weird pop song, but still because it has such a groove. Um, um, the rhythm in this is amazing. 
Um, the keyboards here are killer, like you mentioned. At 211, the drums and the simps, the cymbals are perfect. Um, and I agree with you. I think that um, the message here in this song is that um, consumerism is good if we connect it to God. And I think what you were saying about the whole country music and the CCM, like they were saying, we, you know, we're making music doing this. You know, if we can like connect this, we can, you know, we can sell some records and reach souls. Um, for because I'm sure some of some of um, some of the Christian music was very altruistic. They were trying to be missionaries, but to be honest, it was a lot of it was about making money. And if as long as you um, dress it up as a you know God related thing, then that was good. And like you said, um, it kind of like spread across the world. And the lyric um, in the song, "How come you're sad? How come you cry when golden arches cross your sky?" Of course, that's a reference to McDonald's. They're reminders of sweet by and by. This could be heaven when we die. And so when you, you when you when you take God and you and you adorn him with these the whore of Babylon, which is the consumerism that the band talks about here, it creates this weird macabre version of the gospel. So now instead of looking for like being meek and mild and taking care of the poor and putting those before yourself, now the religion is having material things um being con more con concerned about consuming things instead of giving you're like you're using the faith to 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 benefit you to can the faith is can you're using the faith to get what you need but the faith consumes you and you consume it and it becomes this like bastard of a religion you know and i think that, yeah, was, that line and that line is just so great so it's like why are you so upset this is the prosperity gospel that you've been teaching yourself. But like you said earlier, we're hollow when we when we do this. Without Christ, we're hollow. So th this is the religion. This is the God you embrace. So why are you so sad? You know, you should. This is what you've, you. This is what you agreed to. So this this materialism should have made you happy. But of course, it doesn't because that's not what the faith is supposed to be about. You know. And so I just think that that just a wonderful. I mean, Ken Terry, man, his lyrics. I could go on forever. Let me just end this. Three and a half stars, fourth favorite song in this album. <laughs> and I love that you invoke the McDonald's with the golden arches because I don't know if it was as much like this in the 80s, but especially nowadays. What do you think of when you make think of McDonald's? You think of cheap, disposable, I guess I'll ill work. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and the, so many people have turned, you know, the gospel into just cheap, disposable gruel. That oh I guess it'll work. And then in the, the when when the song when it says East meets West, um, that year this year I believe the first McDonald's ever in China had been had opened, and so it was after this album though. So I'm so I don't I believe it was after. It was like in this year, but after. And so I don't know if Terry was like like a prophet or something, but the East meet and West like McDonald's that whole consumerism, because at this point. Christianity and capitalism kind of become one in one in America, you know, hand in hand when you're talking about the religious right thing. And so um, I thought that was a, like a really cool lyric because I was like, wow, that's crazy that <laughs> the same year. <laughs> but anyway, that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the, the 80s, um, the 80s <laughs> is when this perfect, horrible monster of um capitalism politics and 
the Christianity, like the white evangelical movement, all just got in bed together and yeah, um, there's it's a a horrible history. (laughs) It is. It is. Um. All right, let's. If do you mind if I start on this next one? Because sure, I want to. Um, I don't want. Maybe you have some better thoughts on it. I so, think I do. Probably real <laughs> uh, track okay. number three. Probably the okay. most controversial, misunderstood song on the album. But go ahead. <laughs> okay, let's let's unpack this. Mm-hmm. Um, this song makes me scratch my head a little. I'm not even gonna lie, because. Um, for one, the the song is all phrased as questions, right? And I, I this I want you to let me finish before you give me your answer, because maybe you'll answer my questions. But the the song is all phrased as questions, and then what I don't understand is: Are we questioning women actually functioning in society independent of men? So are we are we questioning women liberation? Um. Are we saying it's men really controlling them? The line about muscle-bound men without affection, um, those who exercise subtle seduction, um, or are is it maybe completely outside? Uh, is it attacking pornography, uh, cross-dressers? I have no idea what I'm supposed to be getting from this. Um, I know Terry has given some interpretation in interviews. But as the song stands alone, if I'm just looking at nothing but the lyrics and looking at it in the context of the rest of the album, I kind of get where he's going. The whole entire theme of the album is um, a pale imitation of what should be. Um, But I'm not quite sure what he's saying girls or women should be in this song. And so it's, it's baffling me a little bit. However, with that said, I do appreciate the song shouting at you. Um, because even though it doesn't make for a great pop song, it definitely mirrors advertisement, just shouting at you from all, and it's even worse nowadays. You can't even like, you know, try and go to your bank's website without getting some kind of advertisement shouting at you. And it really feels like it's beating you over the head some days. So the, the course kind of the catchy chorus blends really good with those verses just shouting at you. But as for the message that's trying to convey, it goes over my head a little bit. So, Aaron, shed some light on me, sir. All right. Shed some light on me. Um, before I do that, let me get into the music. Okay, so great bass line. I love it. Um, there's a swell, a musical swell from one minute to 114. Freaking beautiful. And then the best part of the song, girls incognito, cracks me up every time. <laughs> you like that part, Sam? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great, um, it, it's once again, that music reflecting the lyrics. So they're saying incognito. So the, yeah. <laughs> the, the lyric is kind of sinking into the background like someone hiding incognito. It's a great touch. I love it. Um, this is a great follow up to the mall over the world. Uh, and again, the tracking on this is perfect. Um, I don't think there was any missteps. So I just want to shout that out. Um, so this is a great follow-up to Girl um, Mall of the World. Um, at 229, got some chicken scratch guitar. I really love that. Um, it's a freaking, I mean, I, it's a, another weird song. Um, as far as the lyrics go, here's mine, and I'm sure Tara tell me how, how wrong I am on this. But I see this as, okay, so we're talking about consumerism, seeking after things that aren't 
whatever higher being, being you believe in, whether that's God or love, whatever, how when you don't do that, when you seek out materialism, things of the flesh, the hollowness that comes. So for me, I saw this as a search of you're seeking after, chasing after the flesh instead of material things from a woman's point of view. And if you look at all these things, they're material things that are preventing them from a relationship with God. So I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's like um, demeaning the feminist movement. I mean, knowing Terry and the guy he is, I have no, I'm pretty sure he's fine with women working. I'm sure he's fine with women being their own person, not depending on, on men. I don't think that's what this is about. It's just chasing after the flesh instead of the spirit from a woman's point of view and the things that get in the way of that. That's how I take this song. Okay, and I guess if you look at it from a woman's point of view, that makes more sense. Um, I just didn't think to look at it from a woman's point of view since it's coming out of a guy's mouth. So, yeah. but I get what you're, I get where you're coming from. And so, with that said, this is my ninth favorite song, three stars. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, it, it is a very confusing song, and like I can see how from if you're just out of context but again this song is this this album is a movie like you said it's one it's movements and so if you're looking in the context of this album is is very and, and i will say it's very feminist because who I, I don't i don't know 82 there's probably not too many songs written from a woman's point of view um that aren't, aren't about falling in love with a man at this point and that's probably pretty much it so now i took this song as okay we, we talked about hollow men now we're talking about women there's hollow women too who are seeking hollow things as well so including women in this conversation i thought was a very feminist thing to do that's how i took it mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely mm-hmm. I, I like that idea i mean it does give me more peace about the song because yeah, um, I just I like I like that idea. Those are hollow things. If you look at everything in there, those are all hollow things. And, yeah, and they talk uh, about whether we're talking about cars and church. I mean, that's what this album's about. You know, can, the prosperity gospel and religion, um, lying to yourself, seeking out after sex or fake boobs or whatever. Those are all hollow things that don't won't bring you the peace that you need. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just you know, I, well, that's how I saw it. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Um, so, Aaron, let's go ahead and move right on forward. Speaking of, you know, hollow things that um, will totally bring you happiness, obviously. Oh, Tell me about your oh. new car. Oh, my gosh. This song brings me so much happiness. Third favorite song in this album, Four Stars. This sounds like the best revival area. If revival music was this, because if you listen, it's like a new wave rockabilly gospel revival song. Right, Sam? <laughs> Oh, yes. So um, I actually, I'm going to tie it back to the first album later. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. And so I'm just like, this is, I would go to this revival. Like, and yeah, the first album was when they did that revival music and you can listen to how I just ranted and how it gave me PTSD. This does not do that at all. It gives me all the happy. I can listen to this song on repeat. Um, the, the horns. Oh, I love, I love woodwind instruments. Like every time. Um, I love it. It sounds good. Um, here Terry does a great Pastor Elvis voice. I, you, I know what I need. I know what I want. No, I love that. I call it the Pastor Elvis voice. This is the funnest song in this album too. Um, also a banger you have to dance to. Um, if not, we're not friends. And no one does satire better than Daniel Amos. 
Um, they lambast the prosperity gospel, and they don't. And, and it's hilarious, but it's not cheesy at all. Like it's not like a Weird Al Yankovic song, which I love. Weird Al, he does a wonderful thing. But this is satire. It's funny, but it's not cheesy. Like haha, it's still kind of highbrow and serious at the same time, which is very hard to do. Um, this is the funnest minutes you'll ever have. Um, I'm on the Keens kids. I don't know what else. What do you think, Samuel King? <laughs> so, um, I will start this song by um, giving a uh, semi-quote, and I can't remember the exact quote, but um, one producer, when he was making Jojo Rabbit, where they have a hilarious version of Hitler throughout the movie as an imaginary friend, um, he said, you know, I think one of the best things you can do for Nazis is depict them as utterly ridiculous because then how can we respect them or think they're cool in history when they just look so stupid? Um, and that's exactly what this song does for Prosperity Gospel. So back in the first album, there was um, I hated this Vegas show revival sound of some songs. It works so darn perfect here. Um, I absolutely loathe Prosperity Doctrine. Um, and much like Nazis, just make it look stupid. And you'll be like, I can't take this seriously. Um, yes, God wants to bless us. Um, I believe that's a very biblical thing. But that doesn't always equate to material or even earthly goods. Get your head out of your butt. I love this song. Um, it's just, it works so well. <laughs> And what you're saying, the things you're just saying are, you're absolutely right. But there's another song that goes even harder on what you just said. So I'm going to reserve those for later. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and move forward to Do Big Boys Cry? Or Yes, yeah, they do. Sam, they <laughs> absolutely do. And so, um, yeah. Um, the vocal effects on the on the verses, there's like it's just a nice touch. Go and listen to it and doing the verses, there's like little echoes, um, just little accents, little hi-hats and stuff throughout. It's really good. Um once again, the 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 drums are amazing. They're fantastic. Um at a minute minute fifteen seconds, we have a weird freak out musically <laughs> that I really appreciate um and in this song i think the crying like in the background do big boys cry in the background you know this cry throughout this song and i think that crying is a symbol of humility and there's um on um terry's um, patreon um page he was asked about this song and he was he was talking about how um it's there's a this is about a couple different things, but one of it is about a, 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 a negative interaction he had with a pastor of a big church, and it's about how sometimes people in power, religious leaders, pastors, they they become think they're above other people and they don't apologize. Do big boys cry? Do they come down to the dirty ground? You know, because they're up thinking they're better. Do they come down to their earth of normal people, quote unquote? And so it's a song about, you know, pastors who are, you know, who do bad things, who are unrepented. The Benny Hens, 
Joel's, I mean, we can go on forever, Creflo Dollar, all the different people who do all these awful things to people and they never apologize. And and so to me, this song, if this is a song about humility, you you have to realize you're hurting people. Come down and humble yourself. And that's how I took this song. Um, my 10th favorite song, three song, three stars overall. There's no bad song in this album. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what do you think, Sam? This may be one of my favorite songs. Um, I don't. What? I don't know. I, I really love it. Um, so, one, so we go from one thing I hate, which is prosperity gospel, to another thing I loathe. Um, and this is what I call toxic preacher culture. And um, I've spent a lot of time around uh, ministry type people. I'm not saying they're all bad people, um, but they do display this kind of toxic masculinity of I have no hurt and I have I can't be brought down and I'm technically better than you because I preach the gospel Um and oh, it just it gets under my skin like few other things in this world do. Um, and it what I think they don't think about and what this song depicted for me so friggin well is yet it hurts the people that you're dealing with as a preacher when you're when you have that attitude of better and et cetera. It hurts people around you, but it also hurts yourself Um one of the big things that I don't feel like is talked about enough is, you know, how quickly pastors and preachers burn out because mental health is a real thing. And yes. they're all like, it's no, it's the devil. Depression's not real. It's the devil. And I'm not saying spiritual attacks can't happen, but I am saying mental health is a real thing. And not only are you hurting those around you by saying it's fake, you're hurting yourself, and that's why so many of them burn out and, you know, just crash and burn so hard. Um, and it leads to, you know, them hurting themselves, them not apologizing, and, you know, one finger pointing at other people, three fingers pointing at myself, because even though I'm in no position of power, that doesn't mean I don't display these same attitudes at times to people. So this song just hit me so hard. Um, I love the course of the the kind of ethereal kind of dun 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 dun. It just um, yeah, that's how I feel about the song. <laughs> and I I, I I used and I used to be a pastor, and I can agree with that because and you're right, Sam. And not only that, I agree with everything you say. And another layer to that is when you're a pastor, even you're trying to be good, who do you confide in? You can't go to anybody in your your congregation because you you start confessing to the members of your church how you, you have thoughts of cheating on your wife or depression, you know, you, you know, whatever drinking problem, whatever it is, you're done. It's gonna spread like gossip. You're done. And if you find that they find out you're going to talk to a counselor about your problems, you, you have to be. You're made into being a superhuman. Like you have all the answers. You are good. You give us God, and so if you're something's wrong with you, then there's something wrong with us because we've been listening to you and living according to what you're telling us, and that's so backwards. And, and I think that's one of the themes throughout the Lama Chronicles is no, it's about a connection with you and God, 
not the church and God, not consumerism and God, not the prosperity gospel and God. It's you and God alone. And so, yeah. And so, so there's some of that in the song, too. So I just want to throw that in there. You are absolutely correct. And um, yeah, that's just. Whew, this We're only on track it's five, deep, man. I know. <laughs> we're only on track five. <laughs> Let's let's do some deep stuff. Let's go into something more lighthearted, like Youth with the Machine. Sam, take it. <laughs> There's nothing lighthearted than so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, all right. This may be the first genuine rock song on this album. Um, a reminder of the pop sensibility that Terry and Company I bury agree. under their it weirdness. Um, yeah. So they're like, "Hey, yeah, we know how to do pop music. We're just gonna." bury it under six layers of weird a lesson jason martin and ronnie martin obviously took to heart um, <laughs> <laughs> clearly <laughs> um so i think it's a um you know it the music doesn't stand out as much to me because this one kind of blends in a bit to the songs around it with that said once again i love the lyrics um and I, we're moving into the 80s, and the theme of these lyrics for me is, don't let technology replace human interaction. Oh my goodness, he had no idea what he was writing 30 years later. Um, I'm going to get my... Because he's, he's Terry Taylor, Daniel Amos, prophet. I'm telling you, he's a prophet. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get my old man soapbox. I feel such disconnection from other human beings sometimes because of technology you know i sit down at a restaurant with you and you're on your phone or i'm just taking a card ride with you and you're on your phone um i'm just you know outside trying to enjoy nature and i see people on their phone and i'm not saying i'm completely innocent you know i, I pull out my phone too to waste time i've been there but it makes you feel so disconnected from the rest of humanity sometimes. And this was 30 years before the smartphone was invented. Oh man, it hits hard. Aaron, what do you got? Or the, or the, or the internet or the internet or the internet. This was 20 <laughs> years before the internet. And it just, Oh man, something that is such a blessing and such a curse. Um, so I so, call this, I, I call this, on Prophet Terry, because you're right, he 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 nailed it, and you're right. This uh, the I, I would even say the beginning of this song is like an industrial rock feel, and this is definitely the first like rock song in this album. Um, then it settles into a new wave kind of rock for the rest of the song. Um, well, not the rest of the song, but for the majority of the song, at one minute twelve seconds, the band goes into different solos. The drums are doing one thing, the guitar is doing one thing, bass is doing one thing, and I love it. I wish it, that part lasted forever. Um, and so, so again, the hollowness and what destroys. So consumerism, seeking fleshly things, seeking out casual sex or whatever it is, erodes the soul. But like you were saying, like the common technology um, that we have now is saying that you know the machine that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna isolate themselves they're gonna need to know that somebody loves them and i mean you have the incel community you have like these mass shootings you have so many communities of 
people who feel like they're disconnected, who do horrible violence and things to people because they're isolated youth machines who aren't here. I need you now. I love you. I mean, this song is, this is crazy how spot on this song is. Like, like I listened to someone, did he write this in 2020 or 2021? Like, it's just so relevant and like, so like specific. It's like, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's intense. How, how, so yeah. So now, so in this song, technology is just another thing that keeps us from experiencing the love and acceptance the or who are we who we really are because also another layer to what you're saying sam is that people go online and they're using filters they're like faking accounts they're doing all types of things to project the life that they're not doing and it's just so hollow and empty and just just sad like so much of this album gosh yeah we, i agree I, and we don't get a funny like reprieve into the very end and the only the only knockout on this album i know that like a swirling eddies inspired like humorous song right here after this song would have been great because <laughs> this is too much it's, it's a lot <laughs> no um i disagree and i'll tell you why at the end of this <laughs> um, you know what I agree and disagree with that because at the same time, like I said on the Starfly, the Leave Here a Stranger, when sometimes when you're talking about real stuff, just don't make it happy. Just deal with the real stuff and keep it moving. So you're right. I retract that. You're right. It wouldn't work. Let's deal with realness and keep it a mature record. You're right. I've changed my mind. You've convinced. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. This album is just. Eight. This may be one of the saddest albums we've reviewed. Honestly, no, it is the saddest. <laughs> um, it's just—it's <laughs> uh, bringing out all the feels of me. All right, um, let's let's. We're at the end of side A, the double. No, sign side ein on the vinyl because it's a German ein and drei. Oh, okay, side ein. So, how do we yeah. end side ein? We end it with the double, which is what probably is considered the central theme, central centerpiece of this album. Because it's um, in the center of the album. True. And that is probably put there for a reason. Um, this is my favorite intro on this album. The cymbal splashes are fantastic. And again, the drums, amazing. Like I said, the drumming perfect it's my favorite part of the album besides the weird little like flourishes but whatever um and then i love the eerie okay so we're talking about the eeriness of amanda cover and now in this on the double the eeriness of when terry sings killing me and different things how the music gets goes down and becomes more of a minor chord um and then his vocals go down i love it um then in the lyric book um, for the vinyl, like you, it comes with the lyric, but the, they're backward and upside down. <laughs> and so in the instructions, it says to read, place lyrics to your face while, you know, looking in the mirror um, with your back to the mirror. So why you're so I love that image. So when, when you're getting this, so you're reading the lyrics about the duality while you're looking at yourself in the mirror. I was like. Again, everything in this album 
so many tedious details. It's, I mean, wow, just, anyway, um, there's so much going on in this song musically, but it doesn't feel overproduced. There's so, there's like little things going on, there's like chord changes and everything, but nothing feels like extra or whatever. It feels like it's, it belongs, but it is a lot going on. Um, and then I'm always down for people chanting in German. Nothing has ever gone wrong in human history where a bunch of people were screaming things in German, right, Sam? So, <laughs> uh, so I love Speaking that. Speaking of Nazis, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's it. I tried to. Yeah, I love that part. Uh, again, I think I uh, with Valley and everything, and I think that the double here, and we talked about it with Tom. Um, it's the flesh versus the spirit, um, good versus evil in all of us. And so we do have that part of us that if you're a Christian and you believe that you, you know, you're going to heaven, so that part's secure. But at the same time, you're down here cheating on your wife, cheating on your taxes, being a corrupt televangelist, you know, going, you know, speeding on the speed limit, whatever. And so... It's like, what's the true you? It, it, it's, is it the redeemed you in heaven or the, 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 the fallen, broken person who's living here on earth? And I think this album says, the song, it's both. Separate the two, and that's why you need the grace. And that's why you need to be graceful towards others. You know, judge not lest you be judged because you're just as broken as anyone else. I can't judge Benny Hinn. You know, I've I, you know I've been divorced. I've done things too, and so I think that's the message of this song. And with that said, four stars, my second favorite album song on this album. What do you think, Sam? So, um, I love the theme and the lyrics here. The song itself doesn't stand out. I I can't remember it when I'm remembering the album. Um, heart. So. <laughs> That okay, hear me out though. <laughs> is it a possibility this is intentional? So, if you know the whole entire theme of the album is a hollow double that's um, disposable, um, the song that is the central theme just kind of blends into everything else and doesn't actually do anything. Um, I maybe that's just in my own head, but I, I like that idea. And I think it stands out, but I have different ears than you, so but go ahead. Now the lyrics though, the theme, this is just an extension of the hollow man. Um, and really it's a recap of you know Paul's famous I would not um that which I want to do, I don't do, and that which I don't want to do, I do. And why I want to do good, evil is always with me. Um, this is something I have thought about so much in my adult life, you know, um, how I, I want to be the hero, but I feel like I'm constantly the villain or at least the apathetic loser. Right. Um, and I, I we were made for heaven. Um, you know, every time there's a, a C.S. Lewis quote, which I'll probably butcher here, but something to the effect of. Um, when nothing else on this world can satisfy, it's because you must have been made for a different world. Um, and so we're all made for heaven. We all know where we're supposed to be. 
but we're stuck. We're stuck in the mud down here and um, just trying to live our life as best as we can and failing and failing and um, letting and ourselves through <laughs> And terror that that inspires. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's just... You know, it's and this isn't like this isn't a strictly Christian theme. I mean, this is stuff that we see in movies all the time. The Truman Show is one of my favorite movies of all time, and that so perfectly encapsulates that feeling of you're just stuck in something wrong and you need to get out. Um, the Matrix did the same thing like a year later. Like we could go on forever. It's so many movies. Yeah, even <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. This is not a Christian theme. This is a human theme. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a human theme of, you know, just something's not right about the world, and we all know it. Um, and I personally believe, um, you know, as a Bible believer, that that is sin. But I also know a lot of people have different feelings on that and such. So, perfect like song me. to end this album on. <laughs> well, this... So now we're going to switch. We're going to go from side ein to side zwei. And I love the German in this. I mean, I love German people to, to the best, nicest people on the earth. <laughs> so the first song on this second side is distance and direction, insistence and perfection. Um, this has a very reggae doo-wop feel to it. So it's like... Bob Marley meets the Beach Boys, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> I love it. Um, this sounds like it also could be on the Knowledge and Innocence album um, um, that Terry Taylor would know, would release later. Um, he really pushes his vocals here, like as far as like hitting the hitting the notes hard. I really appreciate that. It sounds good. This is the prettiest song in this album. There's a lot of weirdness and just contrasting sounds and backwardsness and just a lot of things. But this song is just like, you know, we're going to make a pretty pop song. And it's a nice change up. But um, like I said earlier, this is like the coda to Hollow Man. It continues with that, that theme of, like you said, something's not right here. We're, we, we, Every person, whether you're Christian or agnostic or Muslim or atheist, whatever, we all know that something's not right because we're all going to die. That sucks. That's not great. No one wants to die. And so that creates some terror and some, oh, my gosh. And so that creates the person in us who's living for the day and then the person who is either living for an afterlife or knowing they're going to die or whatever you're, you choose to believe in. So that knowledge creates the dual nature in every person. In verse two in the song, we're putting on our makeup, but we never make up. We're the beauty and the beast. We're dead men, we're dead men telling tales, sleeping through our wake up. Okay. We're putting on our makeup. Every day we put on our masks, we smile, whatever we got to do to... Um, make it seem like we're fine, whatever, but we never make up. I think that means as, as people in general, 
we're still at conflict. There's still wars. People are still bombing each other. We try to do all this fake stuff, and it doesn't work. We're beating the beast, so we're, we're good and bad. Yes, and that's everybody. We're dead men telling tales because we're all going to die. We have all these stories, and like, um, you, you, um, we'll talk about in memory lane. You know, you tell these testimonies and stories over and again. We tell these tales, but we're essentially dead men and women walking. We're all going to die. And we're sleeping throughout our up, though. But even if we're dead men telling tales, we're all, we're, we're going to have to wake up. What, in the afterlife, if you believe in that. But even if you don't believe in the afterlife, even if you're knowledge, you're sitting through our wake-up. The wake-up is stressing ourselves out about things that don't really matter. And I just, just like, wow, like, who writes lyrics like this? <laughs> Terry Taylor, that too. Seventh favorite song on this album, Three Stars. What do you got, Sam? So my first thought on this song was, this feels like a horrendous disc cut. Okay. Um, but those Beach Boy harmonies make it totally worth it. I just don't even care. Just mm, give it to me every time, right? Those beautiful harmonies that they do. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that was probably Jerry and Terry, but then also them probably double-tracking some of their vocals. Um, continues on perfectly from the previous track. Um, if if the double... If your if your doppelganger is the dark and twisted side of our dual nature, this is the happier heavenly side. Um, we this is the side we strive for. Um, so we have a dark and sad and kind of twisted song followed by a lighter sounding song that feels more filled with hope. Um, and I just, that is our dual nature, right? Um, hope versus despair. Um, and I. It's not my favorite track. It, it stands out a bit from the rest of the album and how it sounds, but paired with the previous track, like I almost want it to be one long six minute track. Um, but even I'm kind of glad it's not because if you think of like a vinyl, right, you're, you're taking one side of you and flipping it over. Now here's the other side of you. Um, and it's there's like perfect mirrors of each other and it works so great um so great logistically and i can't even think of the word i'm trying to use um thematically i um i love it as i continue on from that previous track so yeah that's the song um so let's move on i'll just keep going on because this this next song hits me pretty hard too Memory Lane. That's what you said. Go ahead. All right. This song. Once again, was he writing 30 years in the future? Now, granted, nostalgia is always a thing. Um, so there are we are always nostalgic for something in the past. Because when we say nostalgia goggles, what that literally means is we tend to remember the best parts not the worst parts. But what's unique about the 80s, and this is so cool, the 80s would have been the first generation where the parents had a super consumeristic childhood, the 50s. And so they would be nostalgic for all this consumeristic past. And um, 
it's so easy to dwell on oh wasn't this so cool back then and then you know we we do it now right every decade it's oh the 80s were so the best oh the 90s were the best um etc etc and we just keep dwelling on the past and then there's another layer to this because um we dwell on our past mistakes i cannot I'm no, I'm not the only human being that does this. I just sits there in bed at night thinking of if I would have done this different in my life, or if I would have done that different, or if I could have fixed that, how much better would my life be? How much cooler would things be right now? Um, just endlessly dwelling on the past mistakes. And then I mentioned this earlier, but near the end, there's all this reverb on the guitar because all we're hearing is echoes of the past. We're just hearing echoes of that note instead of focusing on the right here and now. Um, this song is probably way too artsy for the mainstream, but it hit me hard. Um, and is maybe in my top three. I'm not quite sure, but because I didn't like I didn't list these. But yeah, that's how I feel about this song. Aaron. This song hits you with love. Lonely, lonely, lonely. Okay, uh, stop. Um, I really do like, I mean, this, I'm, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I love the guitar intro from Jerry. I mean, he has a lot of great guitar work on this album. I love that. Um, this song to me has a mall all over the world and new car vibe to it, but it doesn't sound redundant. It's, it's similar, but not different enough to stand on its own. The guitar, um, the keyboard here is so good too. It's the best part of the song. Um, the, the the lyrics and the keyboards are the best part of the song for me. Um, part, okay, let me read this. The bridge. It's another flat testimony inflated with emotional gas, though the truth never changes. Shouldn't you? Couldn't you? Shouldn't you? Couldn't you? I'm trying. And like in like that weak voice in the background, you're Terry, I'm trying. Couldn't you? Shouldn't you? Oh my God, like so many, like you were just saying those little details um, you were talking about, about how like um, the double and um, memory lane, um, not memory lane, what was after it? <sighs> Distance and Direction, how they're the same song, but they're split on the different insides of the, the record. Was that intentional? Like, was that designed the whole time? Um, because that whole, um, when you when we talk about nostalgia and i agree with that there's one side you talked about but there's a dark side too so memory we know um that uh, i'm a therapist professionally and so we know um that emotions influence memory so so you can have a memory of something right and you remember it in a good way right but then let's say you're like moving, you moved to New Jersey from Alabama, right? And on the way up, you had a great time. Um, but then once you get there, you you start going to a school where you're bullied or it's just like a bad experience, your dad's your mom or something awful happens. And so now that trip from Alabama to New Jersey now becomes like a, a bad memory because now you associate that with the move to this awfulness is your new your new experience. So that completely normal or positive memory has now been clouded by your emotions to be a negative thing. And so the problem with um, that that um, the bridge in the lyrics is that 
you sometimes when we have memories that emotional testimony you might be having it might have not gone that way it might have been something completely different but also what happens is that we have an awful memory and so instead of trying to remember that we gloss it over and put the styles on it like it was a good thing like you were saying about the consumerism like parents in the 50s like and now in the 80s oh wasn't that great oh yeah that was our childhood we're not going to pretend like it didn't ruin our you know whatever um ruin our faith families whatever let's just make it seem like it was good and let's do that again and that's happens sometimes with memory and i'm sure terry maybe he was i don't know if he was that Jedi of a chess player lyrically, but in the song Memory Lane, he's saying, you know, sometimes when you go down memory lane, you remember things for the wrong reason because you're putting emotions on them for various different reasons. You're trying to ignore pain or a situation that you got yourself into or because your current situation is so awful, you're, you misremember it as something different. Does that make sense? Oh, that made sense. This is my sixth favorite song, Three Stars. What do you think, Sam? Um, so that's that's both our thoughts on memory lane. So let's go ahead and move on to the next track. Angels tuck you in. Aaron, I bet they tuck you in every night. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> this song cracks me up every time I hear it. Um, because <laughs> so in the Bible, Jesus says, um, in this life, you will have trouble, <laughs> but I leave you my peace. And so, um, it drives me crazy with the, because we're talking about the prosperity gospel because it's one of the characters in this, um, album and it just drives me crazy and just baffles me how Christians are so at verse and get mad at God or don't want to deal with pain like oh my mom died or I lost a job or I lost a friend it's like do you see God is just a genie to like protect you from all pain he literally said in this trouble in this world you will have trouble you will not maybe if someday on Wednesdays no you will it's gonna happen but yet anyway so um also in um, Terry's Patreon, when he was talking about this song, um, Angels Tuck You in the Night, he talked, so Terry says this, we've all seen the painting of two frightened children crossing a storm-battered and rickety bridge as a giant blonde hair and an angel, um, as a giant blonde-haired angel protectively ho hovers over them. Naturally, we are to extrapolate from this scene that the kids make it safely to the other side. However, in real life, we eventually come to, under to understand, usually down to the core of our being, the angels don't always come to our rescue. After all, they didn't with Jesus, even when he prayed passionately to be spared from his terrible fate. It's so, yeah, I mean, that, that sums up the song. Um, at um, the 46 second mark in like, at the minute for 56 to 50 minute 58 there's like this plucking sound i don't know what it is but it adds it's like a percussive thing maybe it's a plucking thing but it adds to the percussive sound and it sounds really good and it happens throughout the song um 
the synths, those keyboards here sound like a Joy Electric song. <laughs> and um, yeah, this song's fun. It's it's a this is another song that I don't know. It's it's a pretty song. It's three stars. It's my eleven favorite song. It makes me chuckle every time I hear it. What do you think, Sam? Um, so this song doesn't even necessarily make me chuckle. It just makes me sad. It's like, I like, I love what he's doing here. He's taking an image that we think is charming. Um, you know, angels tuck you in and I don't want to say perverts it, but like makes you realize how dumb of an image that is. First off, he exposes the perversion in it, and that oh yeah, and this is a song that I mentioned earlier about when you were talking about um, was it new car about like when you expose Nazis or the yeah. prosperity gospel when you this, make something me, look dumb. This, yeah, and this to me is the better version of that. You see how ridiculous that prosperity gospel is by this. This is like it's this is ridiculous. But go ahead. <laughs> No, it is. And you know what's pop culture has put this image in our head of angels as like, you know, um, the little precious moments angels, which are adorable and cute and whatever. I have nothing against you if you like them. That's Except cool. Except that they're not biblical at all. But go ahead. Angels in the Bible are friggin' terrifying. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, and that just goes so well with the theme of not only do we have the wrong idea of angels, for one, they're usually, you know, warring creatures going on our spiritual behalf. Um, and, you know, not to mention, you know, what we think of as demons is just angels, but it's not one in our conversation. Um, we're so afraid of pain and suffering um, for for ourselves and for those around us, and it's a natural human instinct. We want to avoid pain at all costs. Um, but what we don't stop to consider is most of the Bible is about suffering. Um, that's just if you read start like start with Genesis and move forward. It's like nine. It's like ninety percent of it. The Bible Revelation. is just is the story <laughs> of human suffering. It is. It <laughs> um, is. And but we continue to avoid it at all costs. And, you know, we try to shield our children from, oh, you don't need to see any of the pain in this world. Um, and we, you know, try to, you know, we have even have this youth group culture, which, you know, let's shield our teenagers from the awfulness of the world. And oh, man. So I think the good side to this there, you know, just like the ganger, there's a bad side and there's a good side. This song does remind me of one of my favorite quotes from Narnia, where, um, speaking of Aslan, one of the characters says, is he safe? And um, the beaver, the person who knows about Aslan, responds, safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And if we could just get that image in our head of Whoever said God or Jesus was safe? Certainly not Jesus, but he is good. He's a, cons <laughs> he's a, cons he's a consuming fire. That's not safe. 
<laughs> yes, we never. <laughs> but he is good, and if we could just get that in our heads, it could make life so much better. So yeah, oh man, we're just we're unpacking stuff here. Um, like this, this, this is, and this is what I say. Daniel Amos, like from this point on, is like I call them theology rock. You're basically getting seminary course level of Christianity. With great music. <laughs> That's what this is. For sure. Um, <laughs> oh, what do we have next, Aaron? We have Little Crosses. The, yes. All right, I'll go ahead and kick this one off. This is the go lone ahead. Jerry Chamberlain solo track. Not solo, but like he wrote it and sings on it. Um, and... This just feeds into everything else on this album. This is such a great commentary on the on the um, worship of Christian culture. Um, like, I'm not gonna lie, I really enjoyed Christian bookstores because it gave my me a place to find music that I liked, and I still a small nostalgic part of me misses them. But the more adult, rational side of my brain says those were the weirdest stores ever um, because it was just, it wasn't even worshiping God half the time. It was just worshiping this little cultural bubble we had created um, as this weird white evangelical political movement. And um, so, and I, I like how, he even like points out Christian music, which I am a huge fan of. He he says, I'm a sucker for anything with a beat. So am I, Terry. So am I. Um, or Jerry. So this song is straight ahead 70s rock and roll. Um, while still having aspects of that artsy new wave scattered throughout the album. But it just hits so well of uh, just another aspect of consumerism that we've created, this horrible monster. And I think it's worth noting um, how much people almost, and I know this is stepping on some toes probably, but make an idol out of the cross. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, this was a torture device that was actually very common among the people of its day. Um, it wasn't necessarily, it was, yes, it should remind us of, you know, Jesus's ultimate sacrifice and, you know, the sacrifice we should all make for our fellow man. But I don't know if it was meant to be embezzled and emblazed in gold and hung around our necks all the time. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. That's the song. Little crosses. Aaron, what do you got? All right, I'm not sure if I said it, but Angels Tuck You In is my 11th favorite song on this album. Three stars, low crosses. Jerry mentions the moon again. He loves his moon. <laughs> Man in the moon from Horrendous Cross. There's a moon reference in this song, too. I love his vocals on this. He nails it. Um, let's see. From 37 seconds to 44 seconds, the breakdown is cool musically and vocally. Um, and then from a minute 17 to a minute 27, it turns into an almost entirely different song, which is amazing. I love it. Um, and then after that, Jerry unleashes another scorching solo, which crushes. 
Um, and I think, um, and, and when we talked to Jerry um, about Alarma, he mentioned about Little Crosses, and um, I can't remember what he said. So, but um, I, I'm with you uh, about how the crosses are like idolatry and like they're like little things to worship. But something you just said also continues this whole duality that's on this album. Um, so, so you have Christianity that that was meant to be as a religion for the poor, the downtrodden, the politically disadvantaged to have some hope and some refuge and it's been turned into a religion for the elite of the power the white majority who have power who have all the advantage um to be a tool to keep the poor and the needy down and then you have the cross that was an instrument of torture and pain and turned into an object of comfort This album's art, man. I can't say anything else about this that song. It's my twelfth favorite song. Three stars. It's amazing. <laughs> well, tell <laughs> me what amazing. you think of the next song. Um, and this one I say is songs in quotation, but we'll we'll talk about it. Autographs for the sick. They want to help you, and it's a song. I mean, it's 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 song adjacent, I guess. I used to hate the song. Like when I had the uh, Alarm Chronicles box set, when it came out, I'd skip it, skip it. I wouldn't listen to it. I love it now. <laughs> it's definitely the weirdest song on this album. Um, and yes, this is another song about televangelists and consumerism. This is the mortal coil of this song, <laughs> of this album. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Oh my gosh. You're right. That exact song is. Yes about you know consumerism um how 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 okay so you mentioned and we talked about and tom mentioned too how there's a lots of things like there's consumerism prosperity gospel linking christianity to capitalism and all this stuff and how they create the cap these hollow men and women and i think this is a little song about that um and there's um the song about, you know, God, I mean, the line about how, like, um, you, you're praising the healthy, but you don't bring the the sick to the stage, you know, that line. And so, and I saw in documentaries, like on um, Benny Hinn and all these other people. Sorry, Benny, you're going to hate this part, this episode. Um, how they would have pers- purposely have people when people who come in in girdies, people on dialysis and stuff in these big stadiums for these healing sessions. They put them far back away from the camera so no I could see them. And here we are. Terry's talking about that. You know. Um, yeah, this song's depressing for that reason. And so, although I like it, a song has to be last. It's my 14th favorite song on this, song on this album. Still three stars, though. Like I said, not a bad song. My least favorite. What do you think, Sam? Um, yeah, this is more of a skit than an actual song. Um, and it really doesn't stand on its own whatsoever. But within the context of the album, it just continues that theme of pandering to the white middle class um, and ignoring everyone and everything else. 
um, ignoring the true needs to focus on what brings you money. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's depressing. And really, I think this song, Autographs for the Sick, is like a setup or like almost a prelude to our next song. So I honestly don't have much to say about Autographs for the Sick. It's a skit. It's depressing. Um, it hits the nail on the head, but it doesn't really function as a song. But I agree. I agree with what you're saying about that. I can see that. But it works great as an intro to I Didn't Build It For Me, which is possibly my favorite track on the album. Like, if I had <sighs> to give a top three in no particular order, it would be I Didn't Build It For Me, um, Big, Do Big Boy Cry, Big Boys Cry, and Mall All Over The World. What do you mean, top three, but... Bless your um, heart, Sam. <laughs> That's not to say the other songs are bad. Don't get me wrong. They are all I don't know. Great. There's no bad there's there's no bad songs here. Nothing's um, been under three stars. There's no <laughs> under three star songs here. They're all amazing. <laughs> but this song pits the perfect image of a televangelist. I can just see a televangelist screaming this song in front of his congregation. Or just really any preacher in front of a you know large auditorium of a thousand people sam or so <laughs> I, have, I have legit heard televangelists saying you think i've heard this from kenneth copeland i've heard this from uh, what's the i can't even think of the swan singer i can people saying this ministry isn't for me this is for you i'm doing this for you i've heard that so many times i can't believe you haven't yeah heard and Um, and once again take something that's kind of horrible and make it utterly ridiculous that's how you truly show how bad something is I think if something's bad don't give it any respect if you think you know um uh, I don't know if you think the Ku-, Ku Klux Klan or Nazis or whatever horrible thing is bad. Don't look on them with reverence and be like, oh, my goodness, this thing. No, treat it with the least amount of respect you can give exactly. it. That's that's how you say how horrible it was. American media. Listen to Sam, <laughs> please. Um, American so- media. Please listen to it. <laughs> so, yeah, the song is awesome, and it just lampoons that whole entire culture. It really, this is the perfect bow on all the songs that I've been lampooning and talking about um, consumerist culture and mega churches and capitalism. And yes, the song is the perfect bow for it. Aaron. Okay. All right, so this is this is my thirteenth favorite song, and I'm only ranking fourteen because the last one I don't count. So, oh boo! Yeah. Still three stars though. I love this song. <laughs> um, it sounds like cowbell in the intro. Love some good cowbell. Might not be, but it sounds like it to me. Even though this is my thirteenth favorite song, this should have been a single. It is so catchy, like even. Like in in the eighty two, like even the mainstream market, market Terry's vocal okay, delivery and everything. I can totally see this 
this can like stand right along video cake killed the radio star yeah exactly like i can well, see it yeah. going with that yeah or the talking heads um um you know all that was going on in 82 um with the, the vocal delivery of terry and everything this could have been a single like i said it's my favorite doesn't mean it's terrible it's just a great album that has a bunch of great songs so some, something has to be 13 you know it's a great song um at a minute and nine seconds those guitar sounds it sounds like vroom, vroom. Oh, i love it um and i love the the delusion the, the of the narrative in the song i didn't build this for me like i'm doing this all for you meanwhile you got all this stuff yeah i'm like boo boo sit down come on come on really do you even know my name? Do you know the con? Do you know? Do you know the suffering? Do you know how I didn't pay my energy bill this week because I was going to donate money to your ministry? Like, of course he doesn't. But I just the delusion in it is just like it's amazing, it's so good. Um, and then the part in the song, and like, why don't you do something about it? And I say, whoa. Oh, I love that. That trips me out every time. Um, and then the effects on Terry's vocals at 219, very choice. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's 13, but I don't skip any songs on this album. And except autographs for the set until recently. I'm never going to do that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, Sam, you take Here I Am so we can end on a high note on the, okay. the, the songs. Anyway. Fair enough. Mm. Um, so I I like um, how we end with the point with the finger pointing back at ourselves um, because it it's really easy to take an album like this where you're just pointing out all the wrong in the world and say look how bad everything else is and then ignoring you know um, how messed up yourself can be. And um, I just I appreciate the honesty of willing to point three fingers back at yourself while you're pointing at everyone else. And a lot of this album talks about connection, you know, um, kids with um, kids with machines and other songs talk about connecting to the human connecting to people. Um, And that is so hard especially in an industry that's designed to sell to as many people as possible. Um, You know, that's what the the record industry is made to do is sell to the widest, widest demographic possible. And how can you possibly have any real human connection? Um, This is why I personally hate meeting celebrities um, or anyone I look up to unless I'm going to unless you meet Terry Taylor. Well, you know, I, I've already sat down and had, you know, three hours of conversation with him. So that's different. But, you know, those little I pay $30 and go up and shake your hand for 30 seconds, meet and greets. I can't do those because there's no real connection there. I just there's nothing. And what I think is special about this song is while he's you know talking about himself as being in a band and, you know, um, uh, this industry is made to sell to as many po- people as possible with as little connection as needed. And then you turn around and realize the modern church is set up just like a business. It's set up just the same way to let's grow this church as big as we can. 
and do as little connection as, as possible. Um, when, you know, the, the church, the Bible, when it talks about the church, never once mentions a building, but instead talks about people, the church as a literal body, human flesh and blood believers who happen to meet inside houses. Um, and yeah, this song encapsulates that, that disconnect so well. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a cyberpunk sequel and maybe that's what Vox Humana is. I don't know. We'll get there, but there's a cyberpunk sequel waiting to happen to this album about the disconnect between, you know, humanity and each other. And, um, yeah, the song encapsulates it perfect. Aaron, what do you got? Boxy Man is the cyberpunk's follow-up to this. <laughs> and we'll get into that when we get there. But you haven't heard it. Number one for me, it's my favorite song on this album. <laughs> Four stars. I said with Tom, it's in the Mount Rushmore of the Terry Taylor songs for the very reasons you pointed out. Here we are. Of complete album just lambasting everything that's wrong with Christianity, everything that's wrong with consumerism, everything that's wrong with capitalism. And now here's Terry saying, I'm guilty of it too. And just the honesty and just the transparency and just putting yourself out there. He didn't have to do that. Like just lambasting and pointing out we would have been on board. Like, yeah, that's exactly what's right. Like, and we would have been fine, but he chose, you know what? I'm gonna take as much as I can, just like in Do Boys, a Good Boys Cry. I'm giving it to this pastor who wronged me, but you know what? I'm wrong in a lot of these things. And like Tom said, like um, in the previous episode, like the slide, like he's like when I hear the song, I hear the the sound. When he's showing slides of different things, so he's like inviting you to his life. He's showing you these these slides of wanting to have that connection, like you're saying. The, the the music industry, the church is set up to not have connection, but he's desperately wanting to have that connection. And like um that one last um song here, I'm reading the letter that says you like my record, like and this is celebrity and humanity meet, you know, it's like a lot of times we get caught up in like celebrities without without a celebrities exist. And so it's like a a duality <laughs> we talked about this whole album yes the what the celebrities need us to validate them to make them celebrities and then they need to give back to us to make us feel like we're hurt by them and feel validated so it's like a two-way streak and it's it's just very interesting that he did that um this song always makes me cry when I hear it because of that vulnerability. Like he again, he didn't have to put the song there. They didn't have to write the song as a band, but they did. And we get the see behind the curtain, the DA curtain, and they they want a connection and and want validation. Their fans just like we want validation from our loved ones, our friends, our you know whoever. Um, and the background vocals again, those Beach Boy vocals. Cry. Like I'm sure they like doubled them over, recorded them twice, or whatever. But it just sounds so good. It's just like a warm hug. Um, and again, the drums—they sound like 
the heartbeat of the narrator. So as you hear the click of the slide, the drums sounds like the the narrator's heartbeat, like like he's like trying to communicate to you the need for connection that he needs, just like he knows the listener needs that connection. And I was just like, wow, this is like so powerful. In that line, I I just want you to know that I really bleed. Like Terry's like like saying, I'm just like you, you know, all these insecurities. All, you know, you're you're food part, you're messed up all over. I am too. Like, can we have a connection and like connect so we can like undo this consumerism, this capitalism, this Christianity that's been swallowed by the prosperity gospel? Can we like connect and like fix this? I don't know, man. We talk about the hypothetical in the when we talk about the hypothetical hollow man, the double man, double women. And then in this song, Terry reveals himself. I'm the double hollow man as well in flesh and blood. Amazing. That's all I got to say about this. All right. Well, tell me your thoughts on the hollow man reprise. Great closure. The hollow man opener. I, I, um, it could not have ended on here. Um, that's too vulnerable, too open. It needed something, and I feel like this is the perfect. I don't even consider a song, but it's the the best ending to the album because it definitely needed something. Um, that would have been very weird to end just on here. I am, and I'm glad that this is here, but I'm not gonna read it as a song. So that's all I gotta say about that. What do you think? Um, I think the lyrics and stuff are different enough that it does serve as its own song, but I didn't okay. write a whole lot on it. Because you're right, it is just more of an outro. Um, but I did write, you know, tonight, this song I feel like sums it all up best. You mm. know, if if the first Hollow Man song was hopelessness and despair, mm-hmm. this song is saying sometimes all we can do is our best and wait on the rest. And I will say, and it's also as we get to the the next album, it's a great segue to the next one, which they've done a great job, which is amazing. The forethought, like I don't know how they recorded the songs in what order, or whatever. I don't know if the, some of the songs on Vox Humana were already written when this was written, but great segues between the albums. Um, and I I actually was reading um like an old radio interview where he was talking about Vox Humana during doppelganger and he said he actually called it vox robotica originally um which i don't know that would kind of feed into the themes of the hollow man i feel like but we'll get to the album when we get there so i do like how this is a mirror um of the first song and that you know the first song is hopelessness and despair this gives us just the slightest sliver of hope the slightest sliver of light Um, And sometimes that's enough to keep moving forward. So, final thoughts on this album. And Aaron, you can like... You can rip me apart. That's fine. So... No, no. all I'm going to say is what I should have said for the the Hollow Man reprise is that that's the outro credits. So, like, here I am. It's in the movie. Whatever the resolution or the, the, the point of the story was made, and as that's made, the reprise is the out out uh, there's the credits 
to end the movie. And so it's a perfect cap to it. And so I would say that this is Dan Lama's first and only cinematic album. It's a, it's a, this, 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 this is a music, this is an audio movie that, and like I said earlier, you can't like, and like you like put this on shuffle or whatever, these songs individually, and we've mentioned independently, it, they're not really that strong, but as a whole, this is like a very powerful piece of art that with the, with the packaging, this is something you got to get a physical copy of, look at it, look at the, put, look at the lyrics for the double in the mirror as you're listening to it. It's an immersive experience. This is not a song. This is not an album that you just casually listen to. And um, this and Darn for a Big Bite are like two the discography, I would say that these songs are not supposed to be listened to independently and casually. And that's all I guess. That's my final thoughts on it. Fair enough. Um, I'll be curious to hear your final score in a minute. I'll give mine in there, but yeah. but um, this album actually brings into focus my issues I had with Alarma because remember, I was like, eh, I'm not Alarma's good, but and I couldn't quite voice it. This album brings it into focus for me. Um, this album, the previous album, probably, if we're honest, Daniel Amos, kind of from this point until we get to probably Motorcycle, um, is such high art, it almost becomes inaccessible, especially it is inaccessible to the casual radio listener. Like you said, you don't listen yeah. to this stuff casually. Yeah. Um I don't think that's a bad thing though. Um, it's so a great thing. <laughs> I'm going to dock it points in a minute for it not being accessible. But I don't think it's a bad thing because what the band wants, the band wants you to sit and absorb and dissect these lyrics and not just let them pass you by. Um this is a thinking album. They want you to sit and think about it. That requires listening. And ironically, that makes this album anything but disposable. However, the drawback to that approach is there are there are some albums that, because they're more accessible, I'll just be listening to it, and suddenly it'll hit me something that I hadn't thought about before because I'm casually listening to it, because it's, like, so ingrained in me. Whereas this, I'm not going to enjoy this unless I'm sitting down and reading the lyrics, unless I'm giving it my all focus. And it's not as likely to just broadside me with, you know, some genius bit I never noticed before. So, how I break this down is lyrics, I give it three. The lyrics in this work together beautifully. The music. You have to I, give it a three. <laughs> you have to. The music, I only give a 1.5. And I've never done this before, but that is mainly because it's not accessible music. This is music that serves the lyrics. It is not music made for enjoyment. And that sounds weird because they, they are enjoyable. The songs are enjoyable. And they did I Didn't Build It For Me in concert, right? But it, it was made to serve the lyrics, not made for your listening pleasure, per se. Um, overall, I give it a two. Like, you know, how well it holds up. 
once again, this goes back to that accessibility. Um, unless you're ready for a thinking album, unless you're ready to sit down and take a lecture in theology, um, you're not going to enjoy this album whatsoever. Um, so it requires a special mindset, which... So I give it a 6.5 out of 9. I want to give it higher, but if I give it higher, I'm denying that part of me that likes consumable pop music. And I feel like it it falls short on that on that front. This is like the um this is the the you know Oscar Bay album. This is the album that you have to stop and think about and that bars a lot of people from getting out of everything out of it they could, if that makes sense. So I'm and not this, saying it's bad. But. And, and this is why we're different, Sam, because I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna give it three for lyrics because of course absolutely you have to. I'm gonna give it three for music too, because I like I like weird stuff. I like experimental stuff. I, I listen to like freaking like electronic artists who use synthesizers to mimic bird sounds and i love that like i love weird stuff that tries to do something different and so the music does that and then how it holds up over time there's nothing like it it's three this is a nine this, this is a nine out of nine for me because it's so weird and his was crazy not one five-star song was given i'm aware of that there's a lot of three songs and like i um three-star songs and like i said though as a whole, this is a conceptual masterpiece. It's not for me. It's a perfect album. I love it. And that's fair. Um, I think mm. conceptually it's perfect. It just, I think. Um, I'm not concerned about pops. I'm like, if it's accessible or not, I just care. If, is, is this art? Is this good art? Yes, yeah. it is. It's this is great art in 1982. Oh yeah, I agree. It's great. It's just, I guess my thing is, and I'll just let this rest before we, you know, dive into yeah. another hour discussion. But yeah. my deal is, is, um, I think deep art can be a good thing, but art that you, art that is so deep that denies access to the common person can it just it makes it feel like people view what we call classical music right it is mm -hmm. oh this is only for the elite this is only for the few who can understand it and mm -hmm. i yeah. i want my art to be something that is for everyone not just for the and, it, and it can't always be and i'm okay with that not everybody yeah. can appreciate kid a from radiohead but that's an amazing album <laughs> Uh, but so. guys uh, thank you so much for sticking with us i know this was a long one and i'm afraid it might only get longer from here <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said but yeah i know it's hard i mean it's but i'm one of y'all we get darn for a big bite it might be a three-parter <laughs> <laughs> we might have to split this one in two parts i don't know who knows all right all right well once again my name is samuel I'm Aaron. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. This has been a Brothers King Media production. Good night, guys. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.